Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name's Kevin. I'm the pastor here at Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Right now, we're working our way through the great letter that we know as 1 Peter. Peter wrote this letter to a group of people who had been exiled because of their faith and been sent off to the far reaches of the Roman Empire. And he's writing to encourage them in their faith in the midst of their suffering, that they might understand how to process their life and and frame their life in the light of the gospel rather than simply in the light of their suffering. And so as he's laid out these different ideas, we've seen the great hope that we have in the gospel. Today we come to verse 17 of chapter 1. In the original Greek, verse 17 through verse 21 is just one long sentence. Peter uh, does that a lot. He writes these long sentences that that for us to make sense of them in English, we have to break them up into kind of the, the constituent parts and organize them so that we can process them. But because he wrote it as one long sentence, I'm going to read verses 17 through 21. Now, of course, you all know by now we're not going to make it through all of those verses just today. But I am going to read them each day so that we can keep these thoughts that he framed together all together in our minds. Let me read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21, and then I'll pray for us and offer a few thoughts. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in this last time for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Father, we thank you for the hope of your word. I ask that you would strengthen me now by your spirit, that I may speak in his power, that I may speak with clarity, with precision, with devotion. I ask that you would strengthen those who hear, that they might hear and believe your word. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Well, the first thing that I want to point out, and I'm just going to point this out and then move on, but the first thing that I want to point out in this passage, verses 17 down through 21, is how passive everything is for us. That, that Peter's not here saying, other than conduct yourselves with fear, he, and, and even that is based on something else that has happened to us. He's, he's not saying, go do this, go do that, go do this, go do that. He's reminding us of who God is and what he has done for us and how he has done that. He starts in verse 17, which is all we're going to look at today, saying, if you call on him as father. So there's this conditional statement. It's a First-class conditional, if you're into that kind of thing, a condition of fact. He knows that they do call on God as Father. He knows his audience. He knows that he's writing to believers. And so he starts, if this is you, knowing that it is, then I'm going to give you some instruction. Okay, so I want us to see something, and we've made this point a number of times. I want us to see something very clearly here. If you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deed, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Here's what I want us to see first very, very clearly. Peter, by using this conditional statement, if you call on him as father, Peter is assuming rightly their father-son relationship with God. He's assuming that is already in place. 
So we, we've got to keep this in mind. We are so unbelievably prone to reverse this, to get it backwards, all these different things. We've got to keep this in mind. Peter is beginning with the fact that they have been adopted, that they are children of God, that they have God Almighty as their Father, that they have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, as we, as we saw in the verses that we read earlier. That's Peter's starting point. We've got to keep this indicative, imperative relationship in mind all the time when we're dealing with gospel imperatives and gospel indicatives and trying to understand the Christian life and all of the, we've got to keep it all straight. So here, here's a brief grammar lesson. If you've been at our church, you've heard this grammar lesson a thousand times by now probably. Indicative sentences, if you remember from grade school, those are those sentences that, that also known as declarative sentences that make a statement. So indicatives make a statement. They proclaim this is true. Imperative sentences, on the other hand, are those sentences that give a command. Clean your room, we might tell our kids if we're parents, or mow the lawn, or, or whatever it might be. So we've got these two ideas. Indicatives, they make a statement. Imperatives give a command. We've got to understand in the logic of the gospel, in the logic of the Christian life, and in how these two ideas relate to each other. And here's how they relate to each other. The indicative statements always, with the gospel, always precede the imperatives. At no point in trying to understand the gospel and how we come into the kingdom and, and how we benefit from Christ and all of these things, at no point do the imperatives lead to the indicatives. That simply doesn't happen. It always, always is the case that the imperatives flow from the indicative statements. So that's what we see Peter doing here. If you call on him as father, do this. He's not saying, if you don't call him in his on him as father, but would like to have that relationship, do this. That's, that's not what he's talking about. The reason this is so important is because we, we are very tempted to hinge our relationship with God on our performance. And we read passages like this and we... we twist them all up and, and mess them all up and get it all backwards. And all of a sudden we think, oh, I've got to live in fear of God because if I don't, I don't get him. If I don't, I lose him as my father. That's not at all what Peter is saying here. Rather, he's reminding us of how father-child relationships rightly work. So if you have a relationship with God such that you call him father, such that you are his child, such that you have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, such that his spirit bears witness to your spirit that you are a child of God, such that his spirit puts the words Abba, Father, in your mouth. If that's where you are, praise God for the work of redemption that he has done in your life. And live this way. Conduct yourselves with fear in the time of your exile. So he gives this qualifier of who we call on as father. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. We forget sometimes that no, God does have expectations for us. 
Just like my relationship with my children, me being their father, is not in any way, it doesn't in any way hinge on their obedience to me. I am their father. By virtue of them being born to me, I'm their dad. And there's really nothing they can do about that. They, it was an entirely passive process for them. They're my children. And, and so I say to them, if you're my children, you're going to follow these rules. I'm not implying that they can lose their childhood with me. I'm not implying that they can lose that parent-child relationship with me. I, I'm simply setting up the fact that, look, if, and really we can say, because you're my children, because we call on the, the one who judges impartially, because we call on him as father, live this way. See, the imperatives flow out of the indicatives. We get this with our kids, at least if we're remotely healthy parents. I assume there might be some parents out there whose relationship with their children does depend on their behavior. And uh, man, I, I feel for, for those kids because that's all kinds of messed up. But that's not how it works with God. That's not how it works in, in healthy families. Rather, it's because there are children and because we have certain standards of, of what we expect, then we're to conduct ourselves in light of that. That's what Peter is driving at here. He, he is an impartial judge. He doesn't show favorites. Well, what Peter is saying is, look, being his child doesn't get you off the hook. It doesn't mean that, oh, now you can do jolly well whatever you please. No, no, no. He's your father. And like we saw in the, in the verses that precede this, because of that, because we're his children, because we have that relationship with him, because our identity is attached to him, so is our character. Just like the character of our children flows from our character, so should our character flow from the character of our Heavenly Father. Since he judges impartially, we ought to conduct ourselves with fear. Now, this isn't a fear of, of cowering, and this kind of point is often made. It's a fear of recognizing that he rightly has the authority to discipline us as a loving father. That's why we're to conduct ourselves with fear in the time of the exile. We're not cowering like, like God's sitting up there just waiting to smite us. Rather, just like my children know, with disobedience comes discipline. So we should know with our father, with disobedience comes discipline. The author of Hebrews talks about this, and, and he frames it in terms of the love of God. It is for discipline you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which you all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have, an, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best for them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. 
For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. See, it's all over Scripture that God is our Father, and therefore He disciplines us in His love and for our good. And so Peter reminds us, our exile, our suffering, doesn't undo our relationship with our Father. And it doesn't undo what he's calling us to. So continue to live with him as your Father. Continue to seek to walk according to the character of the one that you call out to as your Father. May Christ be with you in who you have a Father. Amen. Thank you.